although Prescott and Payson were still more or less safe as well. Even so, I never went to either of those towns unless accompanied by my aunt, and on longer journeys, such as our semi-annual trips to Phoenix to stock up on things we simply couldn't get locally, it wasn't just Aunt Rachel who came along, but Tobias and Margot Emery, the youngest of the clan elders and the one best suited to handle a long drive. They weren't being unnecessarily paranoid. Years and years ago, when great-aunt Ruby was the same age I was now, a prima-in-waiting on the cusp of coming into the fullness of her powers, the Wilcoxes had tried to kidnap her, to have her bond with their own primus. Such a pairing would have made the Wilcox clan immeasurably powerful, if it had worked. She'd sensed their ill intentions and sent out a warning. This had happened on Samhain Eve all those years ago, and we thought maybe the Wilcoxes had chosen that day because of the dark power that surged around Samhain. Thank the goddess they hadn't been successful. Things had been more or less quiet since then, but we'd never let down our guard. Not when the Wilcoxes were involved. Another shiver passed over me, and I reached into my pocket and wrapped my fingers around the chunk of iron pyrite. A small tingle went up my arm as if the stone was telling me that it was here for me, was lending its powers of defense to those of the court's crystals embedded in the very foundation of the building, to the prayers of protection my aunt offered up every evening to the goddess and the triple god and all the smaller, yet still powerful entities who inhabited the very trees and stones and streams of our mountain town. I had to hope it would be enough. Fridays were always fairly busy in Jerome, People came to spend a long weekend or drove in from neighboring towns to shop and eat and sightsee. So I knew that sitting in my room and brooding over my failure with Mr. Number 44 was not an option. Probably just as well. At least by working in the store, I could keep myself occupied until it was time to go out with Sydney. The shop had once been a general store, but over the last 15 years, my aunt had transformed it into an eclectic space filled with Jerome-related memorabilia, local pottery and baskets, some antiques, books, music, and jewelry. My jewelry, to be exact. I was about 12 when I first started playing around with stones and settings. It was easy enough to pick up those sorts of things in Jerome, a place inhabited by artists and artisans. Louis Sandoval, a local designer, though not a member of the clan, began to show me how to work with metal, how to use a soldering torch, to set stones, to twist pieces of delicate wire to make intricate and unique settings. Once I'd mastered those skills, I began to experiment with creating pieces based on the resonances of the stones they contained, of making them harmonious as well as beautiful. After that, I also began to make talismans, some of which were purchased by tourists who had no idea of their real power, only that they were somehow attracted to them. Two or three days a week I would work in my studio, well, a converted spare bedroom, and create new pieces to sell in the shop. Friday through Sunday I helped out behind the counter. Working weekends all the time wasn't much fun, but I owed my aunt that much. Besides, The shop closed at six unless there was a special event going on that would keep people around later at night, so it wasn't as if being there Saturdays and Sundays seriously impinged on my social life. Not that I really had much of a social life. That Friday was especially busy. October in our part of the world was generally mild and lovely, a good time to sightsee and go antiquing and visit the wineries. I didn't have much of a chance to chat with my aunt that day, which maybe was just as well.
Telling her about a new and somehow frightening twist in my dreams of the mystery man would only make her that much more worried. And what could she do about it? She was a powerful witch in her own right, and it kept me safe for more than twenty years, but even she didn't have the ability to prevent the dreams from forming. So I smiled at the tourists and pulled earrings and pendants and the odd talisman out of the showcases as requested, then escaped at noon to grab some lunch. At twelve-thirty, my aunt went to get some lunch, then came back at one, just as we always did. Something in her features seemed troubled, as if she'd seen worry surface in my expression, despite my attempts to act as if everything was fine. Luckily, she didn't ask any questions. Maybe she would later. The store was way too public to be discussing anything remotely sensitive, and she knew it. It seemed that she didn't want to do anything to upset my evening out with Sydney, though. We went home, made a few comments about it being a good day, and then she headed to her...